Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes said to Jesus, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. And he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Consensual pupillary response. It sounds a little racy. I, I assure you it is not. It's what happens when you shine a light in just one eye, but both pupils constrict. No matter what you do, even if you shut your left eye and try not to do anything with it and shine a light in the right eye, it will still constrict that left eye. They'll do it together. Our pupils, those little black circles in our eyes, act in tandem, even when things aren't happening to them in tandem. They're connected, held together, so that the brain is sent the right signal and responds appropriately. If the eyes are balanced, it's an indication that things are working as they should in this thing. And that's just exactly how God has always hoped that his people would operate, in balance. A balance between God's justice and God's mercy. The Old Testament, and for us Lutherans, we'd call that law gospel. But the Old Testament is filled with stories of God demanding his people live just lives, righteous and holy, but at the same time also demanding that they have lives filled with mercy, exercising compassion for the widow and orphan. And in order to keep these two visions connected and expanding and contracting in tandem, 
God gives us rules. Rules to follow, rules with consequences. Rules about how to behave towards ourselves, each other, and God. And as long as these two poles of justice and mercy stand firmly in place, the tent of God's people will stand erect and God can dwell among them, blessing them with God's presence and protection. Now the best example of how God uses rules with consequences to hold justice and mercy in balance is the story of manna. You all know this. Those Israelites, newly freed from slavery in Egypt, are starving in the wilderness. They're just beginning to learn how to take care of themselves, and it's not going real good, so they're hungry. And God, in his infinite mercy, decides to rain down heaven, to rain down manna from heaven to them. And in that little bit of manna is all they need for a day's nutrition. That's God's mercy. But God also wants them to act justly with this manna. So God gives them some rules. Gather only enough for your family. Do not hoard it. That is what is just. Do not take more than you need. And if you do, if you hoard that manna, it will rot and stink up your home. So when they balanced God's justice and God's mercy by following God's rules, they ate and were filled. But when they didn't, their lives smelled foul to God. And no good God wants to live among a smelly, fouled-up people. So, so what happens when a doctor shines a light in one eye and the other fails to constrict? It's an indication that something's wrong that there's a disconnect in here, that the optic system isn't working right, and because of that, it is not seeing the world right either. And that is what is happening with the Pharisees in today's text. God has given them rules about cleanliness. They're merciful rules meant to keep them healthy and holy, and the Pharisees are just going to town. But they have taken those rules, and they are applying them unjustly unjustly using cleanliness laws, not to keep the whole community safe, but to exclude and judge others as unworthy, something that has terrible consequences for the poor, the sick, and the vulnerable in their communities. And their imbalance of God's justice and mercy has made their lives stink. From those broken lives and twisted hearts, Jesus says, comes evil things that defile. They have weaponized God's merciful laws. Don't we sometimes find our lives in such a state of imbalance? I know I do. Both individually and collectively. Don't we have moments where we, like Pharisees, would just assume focus not only on washing our hands, but washing our hands of other people and their problems. Don't you just loathe other people and their problems? Isn't that what's playing out for us writ large right now in the Middle East? And don't we sometimes relish the ways our property taxes keep us in safe and clean neighborhoods and protect our lifestyles and property values? I know I do. We'd like to see ourselves as the disciples in this story, hands 
dirty from a long day of serving others, grateful now to sit down and eat with Jesus, whose hands are also certainly just as calloused and dirty as as theirs are. But I know for me, there are definitely times my hands are so thoroughly clean that I'm in danger of hearing what God has to say about the condition of my heart, about the sturdiness of the tent poles I am living under, and about the balance of my vision. And when God does need to speak to me in those times, what does God sound like? A booming voice from the sky with another set of rules for me to follow? A fiery prophet threatening hell? Maybe. Maybe not. So as a teen, I was on a a drill team for the Illinois Junior ROTC program. In the summer of 1994, which, by the way, doesn't seem like it should be, what is that, 26 years ago or something? No, it feels like it's like six years ago. 20 kids and I traveled to Maxwell Air Force Base for our national competition. And my fellow cadet, Liz Wilford, she was not the best at running drill or the best at the mile. She was one of the slower people on our team, but she was the smartest among us. And so we were counting on her to win the quiz bowl. That's the portion of the competition where you have to buzz in and answer questions. And so we get to the quiz bowl, and we get Liz up there, and we're just so proud, and we're just sure she's going to win this whole thing, and she bombs. It just, it just wasn't that poor girl's night. And she loses the event, and she's just devastated. And when we get back to the hotel, she runs into the room, and she locks the door, and no one can hear anything in there but sobbing. And after a while, we all started to get a little worried, especially when it went silent. So her mother, who was the adult wing commander, Colonel Wilford, goes to her door and bangs on it and said, Elizabeth, it's your mother. Open the door right now. Nothing. (laughs) A few minutes later, she tries again, but with a little more law and order. Cadet Wilford, this is your commander. (laughs) I ordered you to open this door. Still nothing. 30 minutes go by, and her mom comes to the door again. She rests her hand gently on it, presses her forehead against it, and says in a soft voice, Lizzie, I love you, and I have pizza. (laughs) The door opens. There our sister is. Brothers and sisters, that is how God in Christ focuses our eyes again on the balance of justice and mercy. He walked among us. He stepped into our human flesh. He felt its fear, its weakness, its brokenness. He absorbed all that we could throw at him in the way of sin, and he took it to the cross. And when from that cross, when wrath was the just answer for Jesus, God put forgiveness on his lips. And it's that love, that salvific love poured out on the cross that sends the right signal to these hearts. And we find ourselves able to operate out of that love. And we find ourselves able to use that love to make decisions within the bounds of justice and mercy while understanding there are at times, there are times when rules are meant to be broken for the sake of neighbor. 
Now, what does that look like? Two little stories. In 2009, in the Battle of Ganjal in Afghanistan, Marine Sergeant Dakota Meyer was ordered by his commander to disregard a distress call from an ambushed group of Afghan and American troops who were pinned down under enemy fire. But Sergeant Meyer kept asking. These were friends of his in there. He repeatedly asked permission to drive his truck into this melee and pull these men out, but he is, of course, repeatedly denied permission. Now, Sergeant Meyer is a Marine. Those are his orders. So what does he do? He grabs his friend, and they jump into a Humvee, and they drive into this firestorm. And they load up mostly wounded men, and they head back, and then they go back into it. And even as their weapons jammed, they keep grabbing Afghans and Americans. They drove into that melee five times. Sergeant Meyer received the Medal of Honor for breaking the rules. A perfect balance of justice and mercy brought on by love. And last week, Airman Melissa Mazur asked her dad, John, to ask us here at Faith to send money to help little Afghan refugee children who needed coloring books. And we have rules here, church. We have forms. They're outside Janet's office, and she knows them all very well. You are to fill out a form if you want to fundraise in this church. It protects not only us, but it protects you from us coming every week for a handout. And sometimes those forms takes weeks to get approved because we need council approval on them. It's a good process. We need it. But last week we needed more to trust that the love of Jesus was telling us to disregard our own rules and put out a hat for refugee children before the form was approved. And it was not fear that led you or John or Melissa or Sergeant Meyer to act. It was a life lived under the cross of Christ, a cross that is in no way just, a cross that is in no way merciful, but is in every way salvific love that moves our hearts closer to God's intentions for us and for our neighbor. The cross is our lens. And lest we live out there in the, the world all week long and get unbalanced, we need only to come back here and gaze upon it and know that it is the focus of our lives. And it will give us a sense of how to balance justice and mercy. So let the Holy Spirit continue to draw us back here whenever we need that focus. It is our holy work. We do it together for the sake of neighbor. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. 
It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. Thank you.